Hi there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Podcast Goes To, a weekly podcast where we randomly select and discuss an Oscar-nominated picture. This week, The Podcast Goes To, 1947's The Bishop's Wife. I'm Matt, joined by my co-host, Bob. Happy holidays, Bob. It's it's Christmas here on The Podcast Goes To. Christmas in May. How exciting. I feel like this Oscar year had like nine Christmas movies. <laughs> was it Miracle on 34th Street also a Christmas movie? Yeah, it was. Weird. And what's even weirder is this movie came out in February, so it didn't even come out during Christmas time. It's almost like they made it during Christmas, but by the time it was finished, it wasn't Christmas. What a misstep. (laughs) (laughs) I worked on a Christmas movie. It has not come out yet because it was a Weinstein movie. You worked for Harvey Weinstein? So... (laughs) I didn't work directly for Harvey Weinstein. I We made this movie, The War with Grandpa. I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say, so I will tread lightly on it. But we shot it in July, and we shot Christmas stuff in July. It was disturbing, to say the least, just seeing fake snow everywhere. But it's also 120 degrees out, and you're just sweating profusely. Christmas in July in Atlanta. <laughs> That's amazing, dude. <laughs> yeah. Christmas time. Uh, and there was... And I didn't know that the Weinsteins were behind the movie. And for some reason, it was like hush-hush that they were behind the movie for some reason. It's not anymore. It's like public knowledge now. So, Uh, But at one point, I was in a van with, who's the other Weinstein? Bob? Yeah. No, I think that's the other Weinstein, Bob. (laughs) I thought we lost our Skype connection. (laughs) So it was him and like his assistant. And you look over at his assistant, and he's just like shriveled into a corner like my recollection of him is that he was like shaking and like scared for his life just bug-eyed that's not how he was at all but that's just like (laughs) my memory of him the negative energy that was emitted from that Weinstein brother is just very palpable it was slated to come out this year also in February and of course the Harvey Weinstein scandal broke and uh War with Grandpa has still not been released. <laughs> and that was so oh, no. a year ago. Yeah. Is it ever going to be released at this point, or is it just going to get buried? Well, my understanding is that right before the scandal broke, the production company that was behind it bought the rights to the movie back from the Weinsteins. So my feeling is maybe they knew it was going on, and they decided to just back out. So maybe they're looking for another distributor right now. I haven't heard anything. Very disappointing. Huge cast. Robert De Niro, Uma Thurman, Christopher Walken, Rob Riggle. Like, just, like, star-studded. I'm convinced that De Niro is going to die before it comes out, and it's going to be, like, his, like, final movie. Like, see De Niro in his final movie, The War with Grandpa. Oh, no. You don't know how many times that happens at these film festivals where it's, like, an actor that once was had carried a name and then fell off the map and then... Just scraping by in these like crap ass movies, <laughs> and then their last movie is some garbage thing, like some bullshit <laughs> festival. It's yeah, it's weird that like him and Al Pacino, who are these two amazing actors, they they kind of just make shitty movies now. Like our buddy Tom Sizemore. <laughs> Denzel Washington seems to be pulling it off. Like he's getting older, he's still making really good movies. How come these guys can't? 
I guess there's a lot going on there. It seems like Denzel Washington has been a driving force in a lot of the movies. Like he was, he also directed Fences. So oh, I like, forgot about that. And did he get, he got nominated for, was it best actor or was it best director? For, for that year, Fences? Fences, best, yeah. Best actor. Yeah, he lost to Casey Affleck that year. Oh, and like gave him the death stare as Casey thanked yep. him. Yep. And then he was nominated this year as well for Roman J... Israel Esquire, which no one saw as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, no one did see that. That was kind of a weird one. It that just, seemed like an obligatory nomination. Yeah, I'm sure he's great in it, but it's just the movie just did not interest me at all. Like this movie. <laughs> the Bishop's Wife. Bishop's Wife. Did, do we have any cleanup from last week? So last week was tough because there was a lot more I wanted to say, but it was by far our longest episode already. And I could just talk, you know, I could have done these 10 episodes for, for Saving Private Ryan. There's just so much to say about it. But unfortunately, you know, there's only so much you can fit into an episode. I don't even know if I want to have a conversation about the things I wanted to say, because then this episode will also be a Saving Private Ryan episode. We'll get carried away. My only thing to add is not that anybody cares, but the box office, it was a $70 million budget and it grossed $216 million domestic, which is good for first in 1998. And... 265 million international uh worldwide it was second to armageddon that year and if it came out today adjusted for inflation it would have made 419 million dollars pretty good haul if you adjust it 128th all time on the adjusted list that's pretty awesome just some numbers for a quick number crunch for you there to start the show get your numbers you want to just talk more about saving private ryan i bet we can sum up the bishop's wife in about i don't know five (laughs) minutes that leaves the rest of the episode we can talk about saving private ryan i guess i guess our super fan nate he knew right away he'd never seen the movie and he watched it for the podcast and he knew right away that the old man was matt damon's private ryan character because i guess the old man looks just like matt damon is the old man matt damon in old man makeup I don't think so. It's actually Hank Damon, Matt Damon's dad. Is that a mix of Tom Hank and <laughs> yeah. Matt Damon? Yeah, uh, they're brothers. Like some mad scientist. <laughs> yeah, Tom Sizemore was a mad scientist who crossbred them in the future. and. <laughs> I had an idea, like... It, copyrighted idea but like another podcast idea where we just watch every every week we watch a different tom sizemore movie <laughs> we'd have to, a good 200 episodes what's a good tom sizemore podcast pun <laughs> <laughs> super super sizemore me <laughs> uh well i guess we'll get back to you on that one <laughs> <laughs> tune into our brother podcast <laughs> So many spinoff. We have the SpongeBob spinoff podcast. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Still in the works. <laughs> I'm working on my SpongeBob voice. I haven't mastered it yet, so tune in for that. Are you going to wait to break it out until it's perfected? Well, yeah, I don't have it now, so I can't. All right, fair enough. So we do have another uh, fan review. Yeah! And, yeah, so the iTunes uh, fan review of the week goes to Russell, the one and only. That is his full name. He... <laughs> All he did was jip the title of the last guy's review and add an <laughs> and before it. So the title is and the five star review goes to. And all he wrote for the comment was seriously, though, this show good. So <laughs> was so he a caveman? <laughs> he did spell good G-U-D. So 
that's not that's sure. good i don't know if that's good <laughs> i think that's good <laughs> so does that mean it's not good does that mean it's bad i'm not sure i'm not sure either i'm kind of nervous so thank you to russell the one and only our fan of the week wow. be sure to leave us a comment on stitcher itunes soundcloud or facebook and if you are trying to listen to this on stitcher we are having some technical difficulties so you're probably not hearing me say this right now, but <laughs> trust me, we're trying. You're probably stuck on the, like the last one to upload is good night and good luck. So sadly for our Stitcher listeners, they're stuck on that, that episode. Well, that's sad. I'm looking through SoundCloud right now because that's the one I control. Don't seem to see any comments, but maybe I'm looking in the wrong spot. So <laughs> is our Russian still listening? Uh, no, someone listened to an episode from Russia, but it was just one episode. Ooh, we got um, someone from Mexico listened on SoundCloud last week. Shout out to uh, my friends in Mexico that might have been on Cinco de Mayo. Ooh. Great Mexican holiday, which is celebrating them defeating the French at some point somewhere. Was it on the Cinco of de Mayo? <laughs> It might have been. (laughs) I can't imagine it not being on Cinco de Mayo. Like, why do we celebrate Independence Day on the 4th of July? It's kind of creepy that it tells me, like, where people are listening from. But it also kind of bums me out, too. Like, like, for example, when someone's like, oh, I listened to your show. Really? Because you live in Utah, and I'm looking at my chart, and no one from Utah has listened to the show. (laughs) Yeah, like it, it tells Why me. Why are you lying to me? It tells me what city in Mexico too. Which city was it? Can you like look into the guy's window? No, <laughs> I wish. I think that's the uh, the updated version. We're gonna scare away all our listeners now. <laughs> but it's Apodaca, Mexico. Um, oh, shout out to the Apodaca and listening. I, I can only think of one person from Mexico that would listen to this podcast. I don't know if they're from that part of Mexico, but I'll look it up later. And then we have someone from Wilmington, Ohio. Shout out to Ohio. Yeah. I drove through there once. I haven't driven through there yet, but I will one day. Let me tell you, you are missing out. Oh, I know. That's me saying, oh, I know in Ohio tone. Shout out to whoever that person was. And another shout out. I know you already read your review, but one of our other super fans, my buddy Adam Sacafico, shared our link on Facebook. Still hasn't written a review, even though he listens to every episode every week. But he shared a link on Facebook. No one has liked it but me, but whatever. Wow, that's Thanks, one more sh- That's one more share that then you gave the link this week, Bob. Yeah, I don't think I've shared it since, like, week three. <laughs> you know Thank what? You. I do enough by showing up and talking about the movies. <laughs> Speaking of which... Let's talk about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally, wow, you summed it up perfectly. You just show up. It's the name of the game, Matt. Yeah, just show up. You should be, you should be happy you get that much out of me. I'm thrilled, as you can imagine. <laughs> so anyway, speaking of things that are thrilling, this week we watched The Bishop's Wife, a 1947 picture starring Cary Grant as Dudley the Angel. And Dudley the Angel, who dresses in a nice suit and tie, goes around the city and helping seemingly already privileged individuals do things like buy hats that they really want and go ice skating and finds himself helping out a bishop who is played by David 
Oh, here we go. Our first name that I can't pronounce of the week. David Niven? David Niven? Yeah, I think it's Niven. David Niven plays Henry, and Henry's trying to build a big cathedral, and, well, he's having some trouble because the woman who wants to give him all the money has different plans for said cathedral. Luckily, Dudley the Angel is there to help him out, but in the meantime, Dudley has fallen in love with who else but the bishop's wife. That's right, Loretta Young plays Julia, the bishop's wife, and they fall in love with one another. And, well, what's going to happen, Bob? I guess we'll have to wait and find out. So what were your initial thoughts of this movie? That's right, folks. I fell asleep during this movie. It took me two watches to get through it. Mind you, half the length of Saving Private Ryan, which you can easily get through in one sitting. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this was an interesting one. I thought Cary Grant was a good good uh, guy for uh, the role of the angel who makes a weird entrance in the beginning. Before you like meet the bishop or anyone, you just see the angel dude walking around helping people out like... <laughs> kind of like the cool guy walking down the street he like saves it he like saves a baby from like a stroller from going into the road and getting hit by a car and the baby the woman's like oh how could i thank you he's like just don't do it again <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh no it's like where is this movie going yeah then he then he sees the bishop's wife and is sort of fascinated by her so he corners a man that she was talking to and is like tell me all about this woman it's like it was like kind of like abrasive. And then were you a little bit creeped out by the blind guy he helped across the street? Yeah, that dude creeped the crap out of me. He's like, I know where I'm going now. It's just like had the creepiest voice. Yeah, so interesting introduction. It's a, it's a snowy street before Christmas time. Did you know this was a Christmas movie? No, I it took me a while to realize it was a Christmas movie. I think later on they talk about like Christmas shopping and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess you can consider this a Christmas movie. But it's a little more on the religious side of the Christmas instead of like the Santa and reindeer <laughs> side. Uh, what were your thoughts on the religious aspects of the, of the movie? Because... One of the main characters isn't religious, and in the end, he ends up going to the church. But, like, also, the bishop's kind of an asshole. So, like, I was confused as to what the message was supposed to be. Yeah, it was a little strange. You're talking about the professor as the character who... Yeah, there's, like, a professor, Professor Wuthridge, who's played by Monty Woolley, who's trying to write this book, and then the the, the angel ends up helping him to write the book. Yeah, and it was interesting. He kind of is the only one that figures out he's an angel like on his own i mean it was kind of fed to him because in that scene where he met the angel his like wine bottle kept refilling yeah. <laughs> it took him like nine refills to figure it out but he finally figured it out and i guess it was like they almost made it like a stereotype like all professors are not religious and then like he became a little i wouldn't say religious but he he gained faith you know yeah, I guess. I mean, like, he had, like, had proof that an angel existed. So he was like, well, all right, I better, like, get to work on praying now because turns out angels are real. Yeah, it was, it was a little strange, but the the bishop character kind of confused me. Was he, like, he's kind of the main character, right? I don't, I don't know. So the bishop, basically the bishop plays, like, a super bad husband who's obsessed with building this cathedral, and he's sort of lost his way because 
the reality is all this money should be going to needy people and he just like wants to build the most beautiful cathedral and they live in like a giant house like their house is fucking huge so like they're obviously doing just fine for themselves so it was kind of weird like the whole setup was kind of weird because here comes an angel who's like supposed to be helping people and he chooses to help like super well off like this these people are obviously making a killing off of selling christianity to people yeah because he has he has not only does he have the huge house but he also has like a cook and like a nanny and some other woman i guess his like secretary like he won't even open the doors he's like he he's about to walk to the door he's like oh the door and then like the woman grab you know gets open the door yeah so like yeah exactly like so like i didn't like him and i didn't even like him at the end so i didn't know if i was ever supposed to like him because the movie isn't called the bishop it's called the bishop's wife so i feel like the bishop was just part of the story but not the center of the story it's weird because the story kind of revolved around him though i felt like it was more about him than the wife that's the title like didn't really match the the story for me it was really confusing because i felt like i was following the bishop all along which made it a tough watch for me because i really didn't like the bishop as, as you know as you said he's kind of a jerk i don't you know there's no reason for me to root for him all he's trying to do is get a nice fancy cathedral like i don't give a crap about his cathedral <laughs> like you know and he like neglects his family so it's like okay it's not like he's like at least you know a good family man or whatever but it, it seemed like it was about him and then it was called the bishop's wife. I, I don't know. I was super confused. I was a little bit confused too. I didn't really get how like the angel thing worked because he originally is summoned to the bishop because the bishop prays for the cathedral. And then the angel arrives and the angel says to him, oh, you prayed for me and I was assigned to your case basically by God. Like God was like, all right, you got this guy. So he's assigned to the case, but then earlier he was just sort of walking around, just like helping random people and was already interested in Loretta Young's character. So I'm like, okay, how does the, how does the angel, like, what's this, what's the higher, what's the situation with the angels? You know what I mean? Like, what's their job description exactly? Yeah, it seemed very corporate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it seemed corporate. And then, like, he was like, yeah, I was assigned to this district. And I also didn't understand, like, how come he revealed himself to the bishop? He tells the bishop right away he's an angel. And then he doesn't, like, he's not allowed to reveal himself to anybody else. Yeah, he always stops him when he tries to tell other people that he's an angel. And I was like, if everyone forgets about you, because he, he says, like, oh, you'll forget about me by the end. It's like, if everyone forgets about you anyway, and, like, you already told one person right away, like, who the hell cares? Yeah, yeah. By the end, his, he wipes oh, you everyone's know what? memory. Actually, maybe it was because he is there to help the bishop. So if he tells everyone else they're an angel, then he'll have to help them with all their stuff, too. And that's not his job at the moment. Oh, maybe. But he does end up helping everyone else because he helps the donor realize that the money's better spent not on a cathedral, but on the poor. And he helps like the little girl gain confidence and he helps the professor. So he does end up helping everybody. So it was like weird. Like what exactly was his, I, I don't know. It's like, yeah, it was confusing to me because he basically just comes straight out and tells the bishop what to do and like brainwashes him and then erases his memory. But everyone else he sort of coerces <laughs> into like, like there was like a lot of like brainwashing going on. I feel what made it interesting is like the, the Bishop doesn't believe him and it takes a long time before he does. 
And he keeps calling him out. He's like, dude, you're a bishop. You're supposed to just believe this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's. So I found that that funny. Yeah, like that goes back to the question of like how religious was this movie supposed to be? And I guess like at the end, you're supposed to have faith, but like faith. Oh, and then like having them all forget, it's like, oh, maybe I was met, maybe I met an angel at one point, and that's why I got that great job, but then I forgot. Like it sort of like convinces the audience like oh maybe this has happened to me or maybe it could happen to me basically i'm not capable of doing anything good or right by myself (laughs) i should believe in these people who just send down their messengers to guide me along (laughs) so yeah so that so that was kind of weird the 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 whole carrie grant character was strange so the main plot which which we've already gone over is that carrie grant is angel is helping the bishop find his way and i guess we think that it's to help him build the cathedral but in the end we learn it's to help him be a better husband but like along the way the angel falls in love with the bishop's wife and like starts going on dates with her and then using his powers for evil to prevent the bishop from like meeting up with them it's like this is an angel like you've already gotten to heaven and this is now how you're acting yeah at first it seemed like he was like purposely trying to make him jealous to realize like he should spend more time with his wife i was like all right i get the more of the story because there's like i don't know hundreds of movies that are basically this like based you know this movie where the you know the angel or whoever comes and helps the person realize where they're wrong you know (laughs) there's so many like movies like this and then it just turned into like oh no he's just really trying to spend time with her because he just likes her it's just yeah he he says like oh if, if uh, you hadn't gone to that meeting, you would have been going, you would have been hanging out with your wife and I'd be going to the meeting. But you went to the meeting, so I had to hang out with your wife. It was like very aggressive. And then like, and then at the end, he, he gets the bishop stuck in the chair. Like a, the bishop becomes like wedged in a chair. Like when they're, when the bishop's like genuinely trying to rush to meet up with his wife to like be a better husband. And like, yeah. the angel uses his power to like wedge him in a chair. And the the butler dude's like, oh, I guess the finish we put on the chair is brand new. Let's call the furniture store. (laughs) Oh, the furniture store is closed until after New Year's. It was like, what is this? And I was like, I wanted to laugh, but also like the bishop's character was super serious. And like, I felt weird about laughing. Like it was a serious scene and he was angry about it. It didn't seem funny, but it was very absurd. Like, there were a lot of moments like this where I was like, all right, this is a joke, but it's not funny. Is it supposed to be funny? Am I just not in the 1940s, so I don't think it's funny? Or is it, like, am I missing something? I felt like this needed a laugh track to tell me when to laugh. Like, I I wasn't really sure what was going on. Yeah, I wasn't sure when to laugh and when to be inspired, I guess. Like, by the angel doing angel things. Like, was the scene where the angel convinces the professor to write the book inspiring or was it supposed to kind of be funny i don't because he was also like like i said like he seems to be brainwashing these people a little bit like you will write this book he's like you know what i really do feel like writing this book it's like he sort of just uses his power to manipulate people yeah and what i didn't get too is like he was trying to teach the bishop a lesson like oh I should be going to these meetings for you and you should be spending time with your family. How does that teach him a lesson? Because once the angel leaves, who's going to go to those meetings? He still has to go to those meetings. So like he's going to have to choose between them and his family. It's not like he's, 
you know, like, oh, your assistant should go to those meetings and you should spend time with your family. He's like, I'll do it for you. But like when he goes, then he can't do that stuff for him anyway. I guess from a nitpicky perspective, I'm like, okay, if you can just, if you can just wave your hand and be like, you will write this book. And the guy's like, I have a great idea. I'm going to go write this book. Look, I've written all these pages. Why can't he just be like, you'll be a better husband. And the, and the bishop's like, oh my God, I am going to be a better husband. And then just leave. But then we wouldn't have the movie. And That's okay with me. <laughs> well, yeah. So there, so there are parts of the movie I did enjoy, but do we have to go to our first break? You, you seem to be eyeing the clock. Yeah, we're a little, we're a little over. So I want to sum up our segment here. We didn't really talk much about The Bishop's Wife, who's played by Loretta Young. So I found it interesting when I was IMDb'ing her. She's in a lot of movies with similar-ish titles where wife or lady or or woman are in the title. I don't know what's going on with that because she was nominated and won Best Actress the same year for her role in Farmer's Daughter. Yeah, The Farmer's Daughter, The Bishop's Wife, the same year. That was weird. So she's also in... Lady in the Corner, Mother is a Freshman, The Bishop's Wife, The Farmer's Daughter, Ladies Courageous, The Lady from Cheyenne, The Doctor Takes a Wife, Wife, Husband, and Friend, Wife, (laughs) Doctor, and Nurse, Ladies in Love, The Whip Woman. (laughs) I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if she just likes these types of movies with these titles or every movie back then was (laughs) like, if there was a woman in the movie, it had the word woman, like her wife in the title. Yeah, she had to be associated with a male of some sort of prominence. (laughs) Like the doctor's girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm doing it this time, Matt. We're going to take <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and we'll get right back to you. back here on the podcast goes to talking about 1947's the bishop's wife i'm here with my co-host bob bob what are you watching have you had a chance really, to see the avengers i i did i did i really thought you're gonna bring it back though and say i'm here with my wife <laughs> i'm the bishop <laughs> but yeah i did <laughs> i did get to see the avengers finally and i also saw it two times already twice wow yeah um the power keeps going off in my office i don't know why they're doing like a lot of construction for all the gentrification in my town so nice they uh i guess that's why the power is but the power went out one day and me and my buddy adam just looked at each other's like uh i guess we'll go see the avengers and someone will text us if the power is back on we'll leave because we've already seen it and we can movie pass it so we see it for free anyway um and if not we'll just watch the avengers whatever so finally got to see the damn movie i'm so happy and so sad at the same time and partially confused 
and now I had to wait what another year to see like yeah May like to resolve this. So it was, it was a lot of fun. It's tough for me. We we don't have to go into spoilers, but like ge- generally speaking, it's tough for me to get into these movies because I mean I get into them. Don't get me wrong, but like you know that their main goal is to sell as many toys as possible. Like, I know that sounds weird, but like the stakes, <laughs> the stakes never seem too real because like, I know that they're going to try and sell as many toys as possible. So like, that's a weird way of looking at a movie. It reminds me of Spaceballs merchandising where the real money movie, <laughs> money of the movies made Spaceballs the breakfast cereal. <laughs> Spaceballs the flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second time you've made that quote. So after Rihanna last week, <laughs> now you've made the Spaceballs reference. Really? Twice. I made that in another episode? Yes, that exact line. Like, I'm wondering if you just have, like, ten, <laughs> ten impressions that you just cycle through and try to apply at, at random moments. Yeah, I do a lot of Kermit the Frog voices, too, but let's not go oh. into that. Oh, we haven't whipped those out yet. But, um, yeah, like, like you know that certain movies are coming up, too, like certain sequels. So it's like, okay, well, I guess, like, I, I don't have to worry too much about those characters because their sequels are coming up. It's interesting, but it's also interesting looking at them because after seeing all that happened in Infinity War, knowing that the next Marvel movie is the new Ant-Man movie, and it was like, what the hell is going to happen with Ant-Man while everyone else is like doing something way more important and fucking Ant-Man's over here doing his thing. (laughs) Being an ant. (laughs) And it was just like, how am I supposed to go from like this huge plot that they've been building towards for like 10 years, like 15 movies later. And now it's like, oh yeah, Ant-Man's doing his thing over here. He kind of abandoned everyone. (laughs) I think maybe it'll take place like in the past. Like maybe it'll take place right after Civil War. And lead up to Infinity War. I mean, who the hell knows these days? Who does know? <laughs> well, it's I haven't crazy. really had ch- a chance to watch much of anything. Um, I am caught up. I finished season one of Westworld. Ooh. Love the ending. Very curious how there's a season two. So we'll see when I start season two. Maybe what? we'll watch it together because I haven't watched it yet either. Oh, cool. All right. Nice. I mean, not together because we live in faraway places from each other. But at the same time, <laughs> another fun, interesting thing. I brought up my one true love, Fortnite, in one of the episodes. They put Infinity War in Fortnite for a brief moment. It's I don't know when they're getting rid of it, but they added Thanos to Fortnite. <laughs> I heard he was like too strong. It's amazing. It's so much fun. Basically, one character gets to be him, and then if you kill him, you become him. And he has all these like crazy moves, but they show you where he is on the map. So everyone's trying to like get Thanos, and it's just like mm-hmm. ambushes and like it's so crazy and so much fun. <laughs> nice. I'll have to definitely not check that out cuz I have no interest in Fortnite. What are you? Not a 13-year-old kid? with lots of money and resources at their disposal. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I, I have a, I have a PS3 in Rhode Island that I, I don't want to let into this apartment because I'm afraid that if I get addicted to any sort of game, although PS3 is like totally outdated now, isn't there like a PS10? I think they're on four. All right. PS4. So still a little bit outdated. I feel like they up now they're updating game consoles like 
with each iPhone update, there's also a new game console update. <laughs> it's really hard to keep track of all this stuff, especially like I don't really buy game consoles. We just happen to have an Xbox at my office currently. Yeah, it's 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 too too much with like the phones and the games and getting old, Matt. Oh, that newfangled technology. Yeah, I got an uh, I got an email today that my 10-year high school reunion is coming up next year. Wow. That'll make you feel old real quick. Although high school feels like way longer ago <laughs> it's so removed i don't know it feels like just yesterday for me no yeah. it actually doesn't it actually feels like i never went to high school like that is that is quite literally a different human being than is on this podcast right now well guess what i'm doing right now matt that's right i'm going through your facebook high school photos right now and they are glorious damn that was back when i wore baggy shirts like extra large shirts. I think that that was the style though. Like I don't think I was too far off. I mean like you're like a thin guy right now, but damn, you <laughs> are a pipsqueak. Chris, so you're telling me I've gained weight. Yes, in a good oh. way. In wow. a very good way. Oh, so damn. talking So speaking of back in the day, uh we're coming up on the what? 80th reunion of the 20th academy awards 1947 i'd have to do that math real quick but the 1948 academy awards so our film the bishop's wife was nominated for best picture which is why we're talking about it today best directing henry coster Best editing, best score in a drama or comedy, which is a weird way to loop things together. And best sound recording, which was the only thing it won. (laughs) This thing wasn't nominated for any writing awards or acting awards, and it gets a best picture. Does that throw you off at all? It does a little bit, and it makes me wonder what exactly gave this film its critical acclaim if not for the writing and the acting because otherwise what about it stood out to you perhaps let's see film editing i guess the cutting together of the special effects was was pretty spectacular but it wasn't nominated for special effects well was there a special effects category in 1940 there was yeah Because the special effects blew me away in this thing. It's like, how the hell do they make that snowball do loop-de-loops in the air? God damn. <laughs> <laughs> and that typewriter is typing by itself. How'd they do that? Maybe they had real angels on set, and that's why they didn't win a special effects award. But seriously, like, and like a, a, direct, a director nomination with no writing or acting nominations either... Yeah, it doesn't seem to add up. Um, in regards to the sound design, though, this guy, Gordon Sawyer, he's like kind of a big deal. I'm kind of a big deal. He was the sound director at Samuel Goldwyn Production, and there is an honorary award named after him that is still given out to this day annually at the Academy Awards, the Gordon E. Sawyer Award. Wow. For an individual whose technological contributions have brought credit to the industry. That's pretty crazy. I guess he was good. I don't know. I didn't <laughs> notice anything that <laughs> made the sound stand out in this movie. I don't, I don't think you're supposed to, isn't that? Well, I guess it's Saving Private Ryan you noticed, but... Yeah, but it's the the award is sound recording. Does that mean the guy on set recording the sound? Or do they yeah, not... Yeah, so I guess that wouldn't have to do with the cutting of the sound. Or is it just all of it? Or do they not 
mix no they have to mix it how do movies get made in 1940 that's interesting there wasn't anything spectacular about any singular aspect i guess it just all sort of blended together in a in a nice way the film definitely had an, a, a comforting aesthetic the whole thing was filmed um well they filmed partly on location in minnesota but um it had a very wintry christmas feel like they use all this fake snow i think it was called foamade which is like this fake snow that was that used one of foam. my favorite beverages after a nice long run <laughs> foam made <laughs> fire extinguisher foam mixed with water and sugar foam made um i don't know created... what that accent is that you do but it's great <laughs> it's like my like advertiser accent <laughs> created by russell sherman for it's a wonderful life which was, was basically the same movie basically the same movie just came out first Actually, it's funny about It's a Wonderful Life because the girl who played Zuzu was the bishop's daughter in this. And wasn't there another kid in this from It's a Wonderful Life? Oh, like one of the snowballers, I think. Yeah, yeah. He was like the, the kid who like, what is it, punches the pharmacist or something like that or hits, you know what I'm talking about? And It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, what else did you, what else did you learn about the Oscars this year? So... Loretta won. Uh, Loretta Young. I think I said this in the the first segment, but Loretta Young won Best Actress for The Farmer's Daughter. So she won for a different movie. Didn't that happen to us in one of the other years? Did uh, what's her face from Seventh Heaven win for Song of Two Humans? Something like that. I yeah, I think go... it was. I think it was the Seventh Heaven. No, that was she won for two. No, oh, she won for both. For both that year, but there was one that they won for something else that they're in. I really should have done the research though. <laughs> how do we, how do we proceed from here? <laughs> <laughs> well, this director, Henry, Henry Coaster, Coster was a pretty interesting guy. He was a German Jew whose father sold women's underwear. <laughs> Not that those two things are mutually exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that that's an incredible fact you dug up there. <laughs> uh, in 1933, he fled to France on his lunch break after punching a Nazi. <laughs> How's that for a sentence? Take that, you commie bastards. Oh, wait, Nazis aren't commies, and I'm quoting a movie that you definitely haven't seen. <laughs> Why, because it's your punch of, what's your movie called? Fists, of, fists endearment. of Endearment. No, no. It's not from that. It's it's literally from this uh, 48-hour film <laughs> that I watched in theaters one year. It was a, it was a period piece. <laughs> this, this guy just goes, take that, you commie bastards, and just punches the communist. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Great movie, by the way. <laughs> well, he went from France to Budapest, where he was hired by uh, Joe Pasternak from Universal, not to be confused with the Boston Bruins star. Um, Joe was a film producer who got to start as a busboy in the commissary at Paramount. Before that, he was plucking chickens, so some strange backgrounds for these guys. In 1934, Henry convinced Universal to let him direct, even though he couldn't speak English. And he eventually moved on to M from MGM to Fox and directed The Bishop's Wife. 
And if I remember correctly, he actually replaced the director who was pretty shitty and was, was able to improve upon the film, which was getting uh, blasted at the screen, the test screenings. So interesting little life for our director here who wow. was nominated. That's pretty crazy. And then I heard about Cary Grant. Didn't he, wasn't he originally cast as the bishop? And then he's like, nah, 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 bitch, please. <laughs> I'm going to play the angel dude. Well, the angel was pretty suave. I think it definitely fits Cary Grant's persona. Yeah. yeah, but he basically, they switched. The guy who played the bishop was supposed to play the angel, and then he, like, when he read the script, he he, he made a stink about it and got him to switch it. <laughs> How would that guy have ever played the angel? It totally switched. Although, I have to, although didn't... Th- it's the, called the acting, got, Matt. <laughs> the film got rewritten by Billy Wilder, so... I think that the original script is way different. Yeah, it was also uh, adapted. It was it was based off a book, and from what I heard, the in the book, the angel and the bishop's wife go a little bone. Yeah, yeah. I was finding a nice way to not say that word. Oh, so they really do? They like hook up? I don't I don't know the details, but all I know is they. they <laughs> well, I don't tra- even know what positions. I just need to know I didn't re- I didn't read the damn book. It was hard enough to get through the damn movie, but yeah, from what I heard, the. In the book, it, it was a little more in depth their relationship together, and it was a little more PG and like friendly in this one. Friendly, but yet still like kind of aggressive. <laughs> yeah, but it was never like he never really made any like advances. They just kind of like were hanging out, you know. Like even when they sat down at the fancy dinner restaurant together, they he invited over the like three other ladies to sit with them. Classic angel move. Classic good guy angel move. Exactly. And do you find this? movie super racist that the angel wasn't a mexican dude I, the part that i found really disturbing was that there are just so many more important things that an angel could be doing than to be assigned to this like hot wife who's living in a mansion who's like who, who has like they have like servants like i don't give a crap about any of these people yeah and, like, like she like rings a bell to get the servant to come in <laughs> that's what didn't make sense to me and also like yeah he did convince the rich widow lady to not just use all her money to dedicate a giant cathedral to her ex-husband, but like dedic- you know, send that money to like the poor and homeless and and hungry. But like, shouldn't have that that been his like main most important purpose? Not like okay, that's like my side mission, but really my main <laughs> mission here is to make sure this asshole bishop spends more time with his goddamn family. <laughs> <laughs> No, even more disturbing than that is not only should that have been his main mission, but he should have been at a homeless shelter with those people helping them. (laughs) Why is he using the rich woman as the conduit through which to help these people? He seems to have superpowers. Like, are we in agreement that he, like, has superpowers? Yeah, he he got a dude stuck to a chair. (laughs) From, like, miles away. He wasn't even in the room. I thought it, I thought when he got stuck on the chair, it was like a sign he was supposed to sit down and t- like he's like, oh, the meeting's over, great, I'm gonna go. And then like I thought it was like, oh, he's stuck in the chair, which means the angel wants him to continue the conversation and convince her to do something else. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, that was. But not. no, it was just so he'd stay away while they like hang out with the choir boys and then go ice skating. <laughs> so like. And what's creepy is like at the end he looks up at the ceiling. It's like okay, I'm coming. Like God is bish- is like moving him onto his next assignment so theoretically god is watching this whole thing take place and doesn't once try to apprehend the angel like 
dude, get the bishop unstuck from that chair right now. Stop trying to sleep with his wife. Like, let's go. <laughs> and then what I found funny about the, the chair moment, though, the woman tells him to, like, you know, like, she sits back down. And she's like, oh, grab a chair. And he's like, that's okay. I already have one. Because <laughs> he's stuck <laughs> <Yeah>. to it. <laughs> she's like, what? This, like, this joke is hilarious. But, like, at the same time, it's, like, such a serious scene and such a serious <laughs> character that, like, I felt weird about laughing. <laughs> And there's another moment like that, too. They sit down at dinner, and the angel dude's like, oh, can you pass the celery? And he just searches his pockets and pulls celery out of his suit. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Where did that come from? The implications of those two scenes are just, like, are just terrifying. That, like, these angels are gifted with an incredible superpower and there's just, just just no policing them. Like if they if they just want to get someone stuck to a chair, they can. If they want if if he wanted to rip the bishop's leg off, I'm sure he could have. Like <laughs> this guy's this angel's like kinda like capable of anything. He's like a supervillain. It is very weird. Reminds me of all those fallen angels that keep talking about on ancient aliens. <laughs> but the fallen oh, angels no. aren't angels, Matt. You know what they are? Aliens? Uh yeah, they're they're aliens. <laughs> Ancient <course>. aliens. <laughs> yep. Distant travelers from our past. <laughs> so what I liked about this movie was I as I mentioned earlier, I really liked the the aesthetic. I liked all of the snow and I liked the ice skating scene. It just felt very comforting and warm for some reason. And even though it was a Christmas movie and there's no way for me to get into like a Christmas spirit, I still kind of felt comforted by those moments, like the ice skating scene. So like that was something I liked, but it it didn't improve my overall experience of the movie. Just kind of gave me like glimpses of enjoyment. Yeah. I I felt similarly. The ice skating scene was interesting. It, it, It was just like way longer than it needed to be for what the scene was. And then they just, like, clearly cut to some, like, stunt double where he just starts doing these, like, double axles and, like, <laughs> like spin moves. And it was like, all right, now am I watching I, Tanya? I'm confused. Like, what's going on here? Yeah, so one of the dates that the, the bishop's wife goes on with Dudley the Angel, who, I don't know if we've mentioned this, but, like, Dudley the Angel pretends to be the bishop's new assistant, And that's how he sort of weasels his way into their life. So as far as the bishop's wife is concerned, it's his, like, intern. Which is weird because he already has an assistant, that other woman that he tells to type up his sermon. (laughs) Yeah, but he needed another assistant. I guess. (laughs) He needed two assistants. Basically, the problem of the movie all comes down to he didn't have enough, he didn't have an intern. So anyway, so the intern slash angel... I just got notified by iTunes that my rental period for the bishop's wife ends in 21 hours, by the way, so emergency there um basically takes him uh, takes her on a date to the ice skating rink and convinces the taxi driver to skate with them and did you notice that the taxi driver never accepts a fare from anyone because he shows up later and also denies the fare again yeah what is this deadpool like come on (laughs) (laughs) it's just one taxi driver in all of new york city and he didn't he keeps declining to take payment that's that's when I like I couldn't you know buy the movie like you know the angel doing all these weird quote unquote miracles like all right I can buy that but once the taxi driver didn't accept payment I was like this movie's unrealistic. <laughs> so but the taxi driver ends up skating and just has the time of his life. 
Well, he saved his life. That was the whole point of the taxi driver. Oh, because Dudley taps him on the shoulder. Yeah, he's looking back and not realizing the truck that's about to hit him. And then he, like, lets him steer out of the way. So, like, if the angel wasn't in the car with him, he would have died, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, but he was, the taxi driver was driving the angel. So if the angel Yeah, he was talking, that's the thing. He turned around and he was talking to the angel. And that's why he, he didn't know that the thing was there. So, like, did he really save him or did he just not (laughs) or did he just set himself up to save him and then made it look like he was a hero and really he's kind of just a selfish asshole i kind of don't like this angel guy yeah uh, uh, man i don't know how i feel about this guy guy seems like a real piece of work if you if you get fired from being an angel are you like are you out of heaven are you done yes and then you're forced to live a normal life and make this podcast that's right i too was an angel matt and (gasps) i didn't do a good job my I god failed. i failed matt i was supposed to not get trump elected and look what happened <laughs> well wh- wh- who are who are you assigned to all right fine i'll tell you it was gary johnson and i didn't tell i didn't tell him where aleppo was or what aleppo was <laughs> <laughs> and i failed yeah yeah that's exactly what this movie is the equivalent of Oh god, too bad too. Well, it's funny because the film pretty did pretty poorly because people thought it was religious, so they rebranded the movie as Carrie and the Bishop's Wife, meaning Carrie Grant, and um, the tagline being "Have you heard about Carrie and the Bishop's Wife?" So they tried to make it more scandalous so people would go see it. Yeah, super scandalous. You heard about the Bishop's Wife? Boned an angel. <laughs> <laughs> So, Matt, this is our 10th episode. That's incredible. If you're listening now, we've made it 10 episodes, which is pretty ridiculous. So after every 10 episodes, we have an exciting bonus episode we do at the end of every 10 episodes. Matt, tell them what they won. Wow. Uh, Using the word exciting is a little bit of a... eh. But, um, yeah. Well, Bob, I'm glad you I'm glad you prompted me. Thank you. We are going to do a special awards episode. This is an award-themed podcast. So we decided we're going to go ahead and give out awards for our first 10 episodes next week. Do a special episode. Instead of doing a movie, we'll just, uh, we'll just do an award ceremony instead. I'm super excited for this. So we're going to have nominations and categories and give out awards to each of uh, the 10 movies we saw, which will all be nominated for honorary season one best picture. Which will happen at the end of the year as we get closer towards the 91st annual Academy Awards. What an ugly number. We, all, the, all the dates were announced for that recently, by the way, so we can start a countdown whenever you'd like. All right, we'll start that countdown after these messages. back talking about 1947's the bishop's wife bob any final thoughts on the movie yes so i wasn't a huge fan this movie kind of bored me but goddamn, these effects in 1947 nonetheless 
<laughs> were awesome. Yeah, there were a bunch of cool ones. There was the uh, there was when he decorates the tree. He like waves his hand <laughs> and the tree decorates. The Christmas tree just like decorates the fuck out of itself, <laughs> and it looks so strange. There was like the uh, snowball scene where the girl throws the he throws the snowball and just like spirals and like moves around the screen and then hits the kid in the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was like he rearranges all those cards on the desk. And they just like fly around and like reorganize themselves. Uh, what oh else yeah. Was there? Oh, there's you... the wine glasses filling yeah, up. The wine glasses filling up over and over. So they again. probably had some sort of tank underneath the table, right? And they were just pumping wine from underneath. They probably used some sort of practical effect where they had the they had the wine glasses hooked up to something underneath because you never see them pick up the glasses in the same shot. Maybe they had like a straw in it and they slurped it out and played it in reverse. Where was the straw? It's clear, so you didn't see it. It's black and white film. It's not 4K. You don't see the detail. <laughs> I don't think there was some sort of mystery straw. Just hang. I guess I'd have to go back and look. Who knows? Yeah, you got to zoom in. You have 21 hours to do so, though. And then there was the when he retypes the the bishop's sermon, and oh, yeah. he just says Ghost it. Writer. Yeah, and he just says it to the typewriter, and the typewriter writes it for him. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, we have that now. <laughs> <laughs> I talk to my phone when I text people. Maybe he had Siri. Maybe Heaven invented Siri like a hundred years earlier than Earthlings. Maybe. More than likely, they just had the keyboard hooked up to another keyboard. So then, anytime that type or typewriter, I should say, so then anytime they typed, it typed on the other typewriter. I wonder if Tom Hanks had anything to do with, with that. Well, I don't think Tom Hanks was alive back then. Well, now I have to check to see when Tom Hanks was born. Not if I do it first. Ah, 1956. That's right, folks. Tom Hanks was not alive during this movie, <laughs> so you're wrong, Matt. You're wrong. <laughs> you heard it here first. Here on the podcast goes to. Yeah, so there's that. <laughs> any other any other scenes that pop out to you with the special effects? I thought it was pretty cool. Like, a lot of things were like, I don't know how I'd do that today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, not really, except in doing my research there, I came across a book that sounds pretty interesting. It's uh, called Movie Magic by John Bronson, and uh, it was published just before Star Wars came out, like the original Star Wars. So it's all about special effects in like from the dawn of cinema to, like, 1975, so I feel like it would have a lot of good information about early special effects. That's true. And I feel like a lot of it could have been some sort of stop motion to... The Christmas tree, was that stop motion? Probably. Yeah. It was probably stop motion for the tree. Or they used illustration. Yeah, I don't know. But it was it was cool nonetheless. So I also found it interesting that like finally the bishop kind of realizes this dude's an angel because he keeps asking him to like perform a trick. He's like, I don't do stupid <laughs> oh, yeah. tricks, even though he's been doing stupid tricks the whole movie. And yeah. then finally, he just walks out the door, but it's locked. Yeah. <laughs> and then the bishop's like, wait, how do I get out of this door? I'm holding the <laughs> he, key in my hand. <laughs> he must be an angel. <laughs> but meanwhile, he's like, I don't do silly tricks. I have better use for my time, but he's like refilling wine glasses and decorating Christmas trees and like, like using his power to seduce a woman. <laughs> yeah, getting people stuck to chairs. Like it's just like what? <laughs> what? What are you even? I'm not a conjurer of cheap tricks. 
Also, was it just me, like, during that choir scene where they're at the church for the, the rehearsal and, like, the choir boys aren't there? And then he, like, summons them magically and they start coming in and singing? I don't I just got weird vibes about that. Maybe it's just because I know what the church does to little boys. Well, I always, I always think about the logistics of that. Like, okay, so he summons the boys and they walk through the door. But for them to have walked through the door, they had to have already been walking from their homes, which means he had to have summoned the boys before he showed up at the church, which means he had to know about the church boys not being there for the choir, which means he can see into the future, which means he can control the future. The, the implications of the angel's superpowers just frighten me. That's that's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> The, the the priest dude's like, yeah, sorry, it's hard to get the choir boys here. We're competing with Christmas and basketball. It's like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, how are they playing basketball in the snow? <laughs> like, where? I, oh, I thought maybe they were watching basketball. Where? <laughs> I don't know. So like they had like TVs watching live basketball. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Was I didn't basketball really even around in the forties? <laughs> I don't know, man. Professional sport? I don't know. Let's. Why do I keep asking questions we don't know the answers to? We have so we did so much research about the movie, and I go, I always go into these like things that we don't know. (laughs) Just like random shit. Like, was basketball around in 1947? Well, Bob, I'll tell you. Actually, basketball was around in 1947. (laughs) Please do. It was founded in June 6th, 1946. That's when the NBA was founded. Oh, so maybe they were watching the NBA. <laughs> they were watching Jackie Moon on the tropics. I wonder if it was like a big deal when it first started or what. I'd have to look further into the NBA. Let's do an NBA episode. Is there a basketball Oscar movie? Oh, interesting. The bas- the NBA was founded by owners of the major ice hockey arenas. Hmm. Sorry, what, what question did you ask? It doesn't matter. We don't know the answer to that one either. So... <laughs> <laughs> so I have just one more final thought and then I'll, I'll turn it over to you he the angel always knew everyone's names in the movie including the choir boys he like mentioned all of them by name and they weren't at all like oh this is weird strange man why do you know my name the only person who called him out on it was the taxi driver did you notice this oh yeah he was like sylvester how do you know my name? Yeah, we're not quite clear on the rules of the angel here. Some people knew way more than other people. And then in the end, he makes them all forget. And so it was like one of those like erases the whole movie kind of things. And they just are all happier in the end, but they don't really know why. And then what is really creepy is the uh, the angel doll that appears by the bedside of the little girl (laughs) and they're like who put this here it wasn't me it wasn't me and then just accept that there's a creepy angel doll there oh and then like what i found really interesting was the bishop character he doesn't step foot in church until like the last scene of the movie (laughs) like you don't see him as a bishop he just is called the bishop and then he finally stands up on a church and gives a sermon (laughs) yeah he doesn't do very bishopy things and it's like he almost forgot to do it, too. He's like, let's spend a nice night together. And she's like, oh, what about your Christmas Eve sermon? And he's like, oh, yeah. And I was like, you're <laughs> the bishop. Like, you should already be at the church. <laughs> like, so did he? Did they implant the memory of him writing that sermon in his brain? Because the angel wrote the sermon, but he didn't seem too worried about the sermon. It looked like in the beginning, he like didn't. He was like, this isn't my speech. And then kind of just went along with it. It reminded me <laughs> of... 
that Seinfeld episode <laughs> where they switched the two speeches and George Costanza's giving a risk management speech <laughs> for the Yankees and it's about Ovaltine. It's it's uh, Banyan's uh, comedy act on Ovaltine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just stands up there in front of everyone at this business meeting. He's like, Ovaltine, the glass is round, the container's round. Why not call it round teen? <laughs> <laughs> and then he just goes along with it. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, this is my speech. I'm just going to read it off the thing. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what it was like. The whole movie was kind of like that. So overall, not the best picture that we've seen, but uh, maybe it will be in the running for one one or two awards that we have planned for next week's episode. Yeah, I'm really excited for next week's episode. A whole episode dedicated to our own given awards. If you didn't get enough of us the first 10 weeks, wait till we actually talk more about us next week, where we give out some superlatives for the first 10 movies, uh, a little retrospective. Who knows, maybe we'll have a couple guest stars on and uh, do a couple fun things, as well as pick our movie, our first movie for our second batch of 10 movies. And we're also gonna give out an award. What do you think about this, Matt? Best host. Ooh. Maybe we'll have the fans decide. We'll put a Facebook poll and we'll announce the results. <laughs> I think that's a terrible idea. May- pit us against each other. <laughs> uh, close competition for best host. Uh, I think I'm at least we... top two. <laughs> yeah, you're top two. Yeah, you're top two. Um, what about uh, what about best super fan? Well, isn't it already going to go to this Nate kid that you keep talking about every week? <laughs> <laughs> could be super fan chloe as well she did buy an ad oh yeah we're we're, we're the kind of people that definitely get bought for awards <laughs> yeah that's true so she's in the running she's in the lead by one dollar right now although i have to i have to confess i do have a bet going with super fan nate if lebron gets uh over i think we have the over set at four and a half games uh must be five and a half games over 40 points, then um, I have to pay for $5 worth of ad space on my own show. I have to pay him $5, and then he gets to see, he gets like five ads on our show. <laughs> so it kind of screwed us there, Bob. Forgot to loop you in on that bet, but... Wow. Uh, selling your own show out for a basketball bet. Nothing to do with the Academy Awards. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, amazing so he's he's at five now so i think he needs one more to get over and so maybe he'll break his leg at the start of the next series fingers crossed maybe he'll do it with a broken leg <laughs> that'd be even more embarrassing so i think that just about wraps things up here on another episode of the podcast goes to we'll see you next week for our awards episode be a fun-filled episode, surprises around every corner, and maybe we'll maybe we'll give out a prize or something. Wow, we're uh, giving out a lot of promises and hopes. <laughs> 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 we're putting each other on the spot, and I love it. So, <laughs> if you guys want to catch up on any episodes you might have missed, I'd recommend doing so before checking out our awards show, so you know what we're talking about. And we'll see you next week. Good night and good luck.